This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Well, great news. Actually, I was in such a goofball mood during this episode. Like, please enjoy. Honestly, weirdest goofball I've ever been. And my guest, Kay Flay, also known as Christine Flaherty, like totally ran with it. This is an awesome musician, great new album out called Mono, touring, and a super interesting story. And um, I think this is a really fun one. I think it's a really fun one dealing with like sort of a serious medical situation. So... Thank you to Kay Flay for playing with me through it. Um, Also, do you want to support the show? But you're like, how do I support the show? Listen, right now I am still, we moved to a new network and there's going to be more information down the line about how you can support the show on that specific network. It's called Maximum Fun and we love being there. In the meantime, would you please consider supporting our Patreon? We lost some support Um, because you know what? It cycles through, like people come in and out. We right now, if I made $100 more a month making this show, I would be at the level that feels good to me to make the show. So 100, that is 10 of you giving 10 bucks. That is, you know, whatever (laughs) math, you can do it. So you can head over to patreon.com slash heyqueeros. There's like different perks. And honestly, it just really helps me make the show. So if you like the show, please support the show. And thank you. We're gonna go. Hi. We're gonna, we're gonna do it. I, I, we're, already, we're actually already in it. Um, well, okay. I have, well, I always have guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? Um, yes, my name is Christine Flaherty. I'm a musician, and I perform under the name K Flay, which is my nickname, one of my many nicknames. I'm like a magnet for nicknames, and I create nicknames. I love nicknames. <laughs> when did you make the decision to, like, what was the decision to have have a stage name or like a band name? There was, I don't, I don't want to say there was no decision. <laughs> I've, I actually was talking about this recently. Okay. I started making music completely randomly and as a joke. What are you talking and, about? Yes. How I, could it be a joke? Explain how it's a joke. <laughs> I mean, lots of things. You should know. Lots of things are jokes. No, no, um, no. I know. But this is, I think <laughs> I'm thinking of a different kind of joke. Okay. Um. So I... I was like a very serious, um, I, I don't want to say like a quintessential like student, oh, capital sure. S, okay. growing up, okay? What was your specialty? Oh my God, homework? Um, <laughs> like what, uh, did you have a subject? <laughs> you know what? I, I hesitate to say that I was a generalist. I, I was Ooh. pretty, I was pretty, um, pretty even across the board but sure. i was okay so let's just say capital s student okay. i go to college i'm all i'm remain seriously a student where are you where 
I'm at Stanford University. I've heard of it. You've heard of it. I've same Actually, here. I think I've done a panel there. Or maybe I you performed there. I don't know, man. It's just been a lot has happened, you know? But keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm at school. I'm in this like very academic place. And I had essentially just started like listening to music in a meaningful way, which is odd because most people start listening to music in a meaningful way when they're like 12 or 13 and they're like, <sighs> I don't know if that's true or not. I feel like it can really run the gamut because a lot of a lot, something else that happens, I think, for folks who have like an early identification with music is that their parents have introduced them to something. So I think that can happen a lot. And then obviously also now in like a TikTok generation, that can happen. I just remember like in, you know, in my <laughs> childhood, it was like my parents didn't necessarily share their musical taste. And so I just bought like three cassettes and that was the music, you know? Okay. Well, what were those what was, cassettes? Um, it was, uh, this, do you know the song Ordinary World? Is that Duran Duran? I'm going to look it up. Um, it was like really important to me. It is like super, yes, it's Duran Duran. It is like, yeah, 1990, 1992. I don't know. It is like really emotional. I didn't really have anything. It was, I was 11. I don't know what was, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what other tapes I had, but my first CD that I had was ABBA Gold. Wow. Which honestly stands up. <laughs> That's a great choice. It was not oh my cool God. at the time, but like. You were ahead of your time. I was it's ahead cool of cool now. Time. Yeah, yeah, it's cool now. Okay. So you, so not meaningful music. Prior. I mean, there there was some meaningful music a little bit from the parents, but mm -hmm. like, I think for me, the, the key moment that I've noticed is like, there's typically a moment for a musician when, oh, sure, sure, sure. when like music becomes connected to your emotional understanding of the world. Got it. That had definitely that not happened. Sense. I was just like, music okay. is just out there. It's like, it it, it's. It's like nitrogen, you know, like it's there, <laughs> I, but I don't, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was, <laughs> I, I had just begun to emotionally connect to music and what did you I was connect very, with? Can you well, give me an example? I can give you an example. I connected very deeply with Liz Fair's first record. Oh, Liz Fair. Exile in Guyville. Oh, wow. And... Mm -hmm that that was like the first time I heard somebody being almost uncomfortably honest mm. and in a way that that felt connected to my experience of the world. Awesome. And so I was, you know, I was starting to listen to to music and be like, oh, this this might matter to me. And I at the same time was listening to the radio and was like, the stuff on the radio sucks. Like this music yeah, is remember trash. remember the radio? I mean, I'm still kind of involved to, with the radio. I was talking to like a, <laughs> a younger person on this very show. And I like mentioned the radio as a way of listening to music. And I was just like, I just realized as I was saying it, like it wasn't this person's response. It was me saying it out of my mouth. And I was like, I don't. 
Like I had that, that, <laughs> that conversation well, I think with myself. I think you're my, right. Yeah. I think I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was in a moment uh, where the radio had relevance uh-huh. um, and was part of like a monocultural mm-hmm. force. And I was basically talking shit. I was like, the music on the radio sucks. Why isn't the music I like on the radio? Some version of that. Yeah. And this guy named Sam was like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't make music like you. And I, I was a joke like, is about to happen. I feel like a joke is happening. A joke is like brewing. <laughs> joke's brewing. Um, <laughs> and he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You've never made a song. And I was like, I could write something that would be on the radio. That's absolutely easy. hundred. Well, jokes on Sam. I did it. I yeah. I got my song on the radio. Um, where, where did it play on the radio first? Oh, where was the first oh time my you God. heard it? It took years. I mean, the first time I heard one of my own songs on the radio, I think was 2009, basically when I started. Mm-hmm. There's a local show um, in the Bay Area where I, so I, I stayed in San Francisco for a couple of years after college and there's a show on Sunday nights that would play local musicians called Soundcheck. That's awesome. And I had, a, I got a song on Soundcheck and I like, oh, that's great. you know, it was very exciting. But essentially I started making music. This all goes back to my stupid name, but I started making music in this context of like, I could write a song. So I made this like joke song, kind of like, parody whatever um and i had to post put it on the internet i was just learning to code at that time and so i had to give myself a name and everyone called me kayfle so i just said kayfle like that's the name and that so when i say i didn't make a decision i guess i didn't think that that what felt like an extremely minor inconsequential decision would prove to be a quite major, highly consequential decision. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever wish it was your full name? No, I think my full name is a mouthful. Christine Flaherty. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Cameron Esposito. And that is also my stage name. I think, well, (laughs) I think there's a little bit of, I think Esposito has internal, has a rhythm. Yeah, the whole name is pretty like, I think it's nice to say. Like your name could be an incantation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like your name could be in Harry Potter. You know what I mean? Like it could be like. That's so funny. (laughs) Like Christine Flaherty does not sound like you're casting a spell, you know? Well, God, you might I mean, be right. You sound like a secretary of education a little bit. <laughs> wow. That is the, that's the greatest compliment I've ever received. I don't know if it was a compliment, but I'm going to take it like that. I okay. mean, Betsy DeVos aside, what a, what an important person <laughs> to our country. Just not that person, but everybody else who's done that job. Okay. She, take her, she, put her off to the side. Yeah. She's the chess piece that broke and we're yeah, going to yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Yes. So anyways, I think Christine Flaherty would not have made sense. I'm also glad I didn't give myself some like dumb name like Cups or something. You know what I mean? Like where you just like, that's bad. Because I know people who like name their band 
something just totally like offhand and stupid and then their band gets big and then they're like oh my god we're named cups you name know? them name the eight bands that you know that have dumb names <laughs> you don't have to name them I, know i'm not are. gonna name them but i will say i remember i don't know them the band diarrhea planet oh god and like they were what they're the like hell, they were like kind of a legit band. I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, can you imagine working for this band and being like, hey, I'm I don't know, dude. It's <laughs> a good point. Like that's oh, just heavens to anyway. Betsy. So that's that's K Flay. It's my nickname. And that's how it all shook out. I listened to the new record last night, because uh, it was provided to me, uh, which I appreciate. Thank thank you to your team. Um, and it has an interesting name and an interesting story that I thought maybe you could just like, let's not fuck around. Let's get to it. Yeah. We fucked around a lot. Already. I liked that part. That was Me one too. of my favorite parts so far. Valerie, Everything don't edit it so out. I don't know who no, edits no, this. No, that will not be edited out. That was golden. Okay. Every part okay. of it. Well, as, as the secretary of education for the United <laughs> States, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, <laughs> Uh, well, first of all, thanks for listening. I, you got I actually mean that very genuinely. There's a lot of things to listen to, like uh, across all genres. The amount of things that a human being can listen to right now, mm. sometimes it just boggles my mind because I'm obsessed with point. the public library. I'm obsessed with Libby. Oh, yeah, I have Libby. Yeah, I'm trying to be their brand ambassador, but apparently they don't want one. Um I, Libby I is to... the audiobook app f- that the public library has. So you can rent books, although some of them are like have a little bit of a backlog. You got to get in line just like at the library. Um, but for anybody that's listening to this, that you're like, look, honestly, I also am an audible early adopter. You're welcome, Jeff Bezos. Um, so I've been listening to that forever. So I do have that. But if you are like, I would like to not pay for books because uh, we have a system in this country that helps with that. Libby. Libby's great. I also use Libby. And this is just a plug. I didn't nobody paid me for that. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm we're doing we're doing this work. Um yeah. I, I would also like to say while we're on the topic of Libby, you can rent a Kindle book. It's not just audiobooks. So you can rent a Kindle book. You know what I don't have is a one of those guys. So I forgot. I don't have one of these. I mean doing it with my well, hands. This is good for me. I audio. also don't have one of those, but yeah, my yeah, yeah. sister does. And oh. my sister and I, another cool thing about Libby is you can combine library accounts across different cities so that you have access to the circulations oh. of multiple libraries. Ooh. So I see all the books that my sister checks out from the library. Okay, that's a side note. My sister does have a Kindle. Uh I love my sister. Um, so what is important point. Keep going. I also I really, love my sisters. We had, you know, just to, yeah, I, okay. Well, I have a brother as well and I love him too. Okay. I really, I really love my siblings <laughs> yeah, and, um, totally. yeah. Okay. This record. So this record is called mono and it is my fifth studio album uh ever since that first conversation i have made a lot of music and the the totally bizarre thing that happened is a couple months into writing like the demos and just just kind of getting started like 
where am I going to head with this? Um, I had actually just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, so I was feeling very powerful. Chill things just keep being popped into this conversation, you know? Yeah. Just well, chill I'm... regular stuff. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. Um, you know, but, I, but in all seriousness, I was feeling very strong, you mm-hmm. know, and physically sort of capable and like, Sounds like okay, it. here I go, you know? just climbed a mountain which by the way was one of the funniest experiences of my life because like you know it's it, it was so beautifully human in that you're you're going up and as as you go up just all this there there ceases to be life there are no birds there's no like grass there's no weeds there's no like lone desert plant you know it's just like it's like mars up there and then all the humans start getting sick, barfing, uh, passing out. It's like people were like, how did you feel up there? I was like, I felt like I need to go back down. Like, how what many am people I? were you up there with? What's the like team situation? How many people well, are you supposed to go up with? I mean. I know people most, do it by themselves, but the, right. we don't, we're not, let's not. Let's just, that's a default. Those people are not part of this conversation. Um, Most people go up in a group of eight people. Okay. Which is, which is what I did. I, my friend Sam and I did this together and it was just such a, we kept laughing because like, you know, I think there's this idea that you do this and you connect with nature. I have never felt more disconnected from nature. I felt like I was in outer space up there. Like when I tell you there's nothing that's alive besides the humans, the idiot humans, you know, it's just like, and they're, everyone's sick and everyone's got a horrible headache and they're like, ah, this I got to go like back down. This sounds like what I just saw on TikTok it, about burning. It is kind of like burning man. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but I did that and it was also, I will say, a beautiful experience in many ways, but it was also interesting to witness the the kind of folly of humans to be like i'm gonna climb that thing and then like why are you climbing that thing? go back down you're not you know it's not meant for you um so i was feeling very strong and i woke up one morning like actually just about a year ago and couldn't hear out of my right ear had like crazy noise in it and i felt weird very long story short it turns out that for no reason at all, I went completely deaf in my right ear. Yeah, and I was reading this. Can mm-hmm. I ask you some questions about this? I would love to answer them. How long after you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro did this happen? Two weeks. And it's not related. It is the mere, it's, it's a classic case of correlation is not causation. When, so I'm assuming that that's probably one of the first things you thought or like whatever, because yes. I feel like I would make that whatever uh, connection too. Um, do when they checked stuff out, did they notice like structural changes? Like did things did, did something change physically that they could see? No, in fact, to invoke Stanford once again, I did see one of the world's specialists Ooh. in my condition, which is called sudden sensory neural hearing loss. Mm. 
I saw one of, yeah, just the, the world's great experts. She is a reach, research scientist at Stanford. And she looked in my ear and she called over one of her colleagues. And she was like, hey, Jerry, or whatever this guy's name was. Look at this. They look in my ear. She goes, that's a textbook ear. Okay. Ear, so ear, ear is out of the books. Ear is, you can rent the ear on Libby. Um, <laughs> what about brain? I'm assuming they did brain next. Did yes. they do brain next? My they brain. They ear. actually did brain first. They did they brain, did brain first. first. Got it. Okay. So my brain, flawed, flawed as ever, though, structurally <laughs> sound. Um, yeah. So all the, all the scan, all the brain scans. So that basically you get an MRI, you get a CAT scan and they're making sure you don't have a tumor. They're making sure there isn't something pressing on or there's been a blood like a stroke or you know any any of those kinds of things or a brain injury so brain good i when i was two i had a sudden well looking at pictures now you can kind of see that it was happening the whole time but my eye uh well my one eye crossed overnight when i was two i woke up in the morning and my people was completely <gasps> facing inward uh on one eye only. And so the reason I'm asking these questions is because I went through all these tests. It's actually like my first memory. Like I went so through wait. a CAT scan because they thought the first thing they think is tumor, like you're saying. And then they looked at all the whatever structures. It's just, a I have like a weak eye muscle. So I've had multiple surgeries in my life and I had to wear an eye patch for a really long time. And the, you know, when people have like, they're blind in one eye, that's yes. what often happens to folks in this situation because your eye, your brain actually turns one of your eyes off. So as to not make the sensory input unintelligible because you have double vision. So the thing that the surgeries and the eye patch and all that stuff prevented was blindness in one eye. And then Did also you have to do moderately straight like physical therapy or like exercises for your eye? That's another thing that they do now. When I was a kid, that wasn't something that they did as much. Um, you can also wear prisms in your glasses. That's something that they also do. Mine was so extreme and so sudden that I think they were most, like I had immediate surgery. Um, so I think they're most invested in saving my vision. Well, that sounds, I mean, I know you said that's your first memory. That sounds like it probably had an extreme impact on your development. I think so, yeah. I mean, I, it's odd, you know? It's, like, odd to look at something as an adult that you... Like, I've no, I don't have an experience of life before that, but it is intense to have something going on on your face when you're, like, say, in first grade or kindergarten because you're meeting all the people you're going to be with for the rest of your childhood and you know facial difference can be very it's like a very noticeable thing um, how long did you have to wear the eye patch for eight years <gasps> <laughs> that's why i'm a stand-up comic wow look at my eyes now pretty good i mean i never would know yeah. um i've kind of shitty depth perception but other than that Right. Pretty good. Sometimes they that's. I will say um, one of the one of the things that happens when you only have one working ear 
is that you have no echolocation, which is kind of the sonic version of depth perception. So if I can't see where something is coming from, when I tell you it is the trippiest experience and I have it constantly every day, like throughout the day, I just truly do not know where sounds are coming from. Wow. It is wacky. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Wait, I want to ask two other questions that I realize I didn't ask. Uh, Do they think because there isn't a structural issue, because there isn't like a connectivity issue, do they think it's something they could turn back on? No. So basically the prevailing wisdom about this condition, which by the way, affects like 5,000 people in the U.S. a year. So this just has been happening which is kind of crazy. You're just like, what? Is that a virus, like a common virus, like a cold, Yeah. somehow gets into your inner ear. Yep. And it essentially explodes and kills everything. Right. There's a critical period of like one month to two months after it happens where there is a chance for hearing to be revived or regained essentially for those like hair cells to come back to life. The chances for that are greater if the hearing loss is not super severe. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine was total. So right off the bat, you know, when you're getting bad news, you know, the vibe when you're getting bad news That was just the vibes, like every doctor I was seeing. And I was also, I should note, incredibly sick with a vertigo. It knocked out all of my equilibrium. Oh my God, I've had vertigo before. That is so rough. They like had to, I've had it a couple times because I also had, look, man, I also had like tubes in my ears when I was a kid. Um, And so I've had vertigo a couple times because that's like a drainage issue. It's like, uh having a propensity for ear infections. Anyway, I'm just saying this to say that is terrible. And when I've had it, sometimes they have to give me tranquilizers because it is like so um, awful. Yeah, vertigo is is crazy. Um, I had never had it before. Mm-hmm. But basically when your brain, when half the the equilibrium system just goes out, your brain is like a compass spinning, you know? So I was like intractably vomiting barely I couldn't walk I couldn't it was crazy and again I had been at sort of like the acme of my own personal health 
So, I mean, that was just psychologically bizarre, but I was in all these doctor's offices and everybody's vibe is just bad. Everybody's like doing that before they talk to me. They're like, okay, well, you know, so essentially this virus comes in, explodes or whatever. And do you, you remember have, having a virus? I'm sorry. I'm just asking you so many nope, questions. I wasn't sick. Did you have COVID? No. Like, have you, have you ever gotten it? I have gotten COVID early. Yeah. Wild. So I was not sick. In fact, I was supposed to leave the next day on a writing trip for another artist that my friend and I um, have worked with on, on her writing her like album. We were supposed to go on this retreat. This is such a wild story. So I wake, so, you know, I'm kind of out of my mind and everyone's going, there's nothing in your ear, nothing, you know, it looks great. So they're like, listen, there's two things essentially you can try. Well, three things. The first thing is we're going to give you shots into your ear, steroid shots through your eardrum into your inner ear. So they poke a needle through your eardrum. Thumbs up. <laughs> Love that. Um, and we'll try that. We'll give you oral steroids as well. We'll send you, we, you can do acupuncture if you want, which I did. And then the third thing, which we should just have a side conversation about, is if your insurance will approve it, you can do hyperbaric oxygen therapy Bro, commonly known but you as- had just done hyperbaric oxygen <laughs> therapy i don't know if that's what mount kilimanjaro is but i think it is no it's, no, it's, it's not opposite. it's not it's kind of the opposite yeah it's going so hbot as as the um the insiders know it it's is it highly pressurized yeah what so it it's like going underwater sweet look man i don't know did you do it? <laughs> Fuck yeah, I did it. So, okay. I mean, I th- my attitude was I'm going to, with the full force of my will, which is quite strong, I will pursue the treatment. And then with the full force of my will, I will accept the results. That was kind of my attitude. Like, that's an impressive attitude. That's a difficult uh, needle to thread. Right. Which is, and it's it's kind of like not Western in the mm-hmm. sense that I've noticed when I talk to people about this, there's a pretty common reaction that is, but what if you found the right doctor? Or what if you tried this a little more or like the idea that somehow like the Protestant ethic applies to illness, which I think for a lot of people who have um, dealt with illness, they can tell you some shit you just have to accept. Like some things happen and no amount of hard work can mitigate or uh, mollify. But anyway, I did this. I did hyperbaric oxygen therapy. It was originally developed for scuba divers with the bends. The bends. Yep. Yeah, dude. So that's, it's, it's basically like if you got air bubbles in your blood, they put you back down. 
the air bubbles go away and then they bring you back up. They have found, so the cool thing about when you're like, when you've simulated the pressure of being, you know, 60 feet underneath the surface of the ocean is that you can receive 100% oxygen into your body through a helmet. The helmet from from scuba divers? The one I'm thinking of? Kind of, yeah. the one yeah. I'm thinking of? It's, it's like it has less... Little, uh, yeah, it's has less... Has a little jail by the face? It's no. <laughs> That's not the one. It's less spherical. It's okay. totally transparent. I mean, they give you a nicer one because this was at UCLA. So, I know, you know, but come on. Okay. I looked like Harry Houdini. Um, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> and they give you 100% oxygen. And you sit in this submarine chamber with like eight other grown adults, all of whom are ha- dealing with oh. some bizarre, obscure illness. A lot of people with amputations. Oh, dude, this is wild. That's why I'm telling you we could talk. I could All talk I about can, this. I know. Let We'll offline it because I want to get back to the music for a second. But I think the only other person I know who has received 100% oxygen is Gwyneth Paltrow through her butthole. Do you remember when that was something that was like <laughs> Wait, what? in the ether for a minute? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've never heard of this in my life. You can receive 100% oxygen through your butthole? I don't know. There was just like a minute where she was like talking about all the different stuff she does in her day. And one of them was like, was like, was like anal oxygen. Like, I swear to God. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, cool. Like, I, I lament that nobody offered me anal oxygen. <laughs> well, see if your insurance will cover it. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll call a uh, Blue Shield <laughs> yeah. and see if I'll call Anthem. <laughs> yeah, um, sounds good. So I heard Gwyneth Paltrow gets anal oxygen. <laughs> so uh, right. So the, the record, the thing. So the record's called mono, and uh, because you are not hearing in whatever is the opposite stereo stereo. <laughs> Um, and I want to get back to this moment and, and just like, I mean, is there a part of you that was afraid? What if it suddenly is both? Like, is that something that you also wondered about? And then also if that wasn't it, did you wonder about being able to do your job with one? Um, so strangely, I actually was able to put my fear of losing hearing in the other ear pretty much aside. You know, knowing that like this, what happened to me now is so random. I figure, well, the it's kind of like getting struck by lightning twice. Probably it's not going to happen. So I was able to like go into a st- statistical mindset and be like, okay, well, probably You did not. go to Stanford. <laughs> I <laughs> You're, I, remember I do run this like, country. I was doing some light coding. Anyway, keep going. Keep going. That <laughs> did not elude Facebook. me. That did not elude me. Um, um, yeah. Okay, so I was able to get rid of that fear. The second fear, which was, can I make music? That was actually quite a real fear because in the immediate aftermath of this massive sensory change, my brain was like in a primordial 
soup kind of state in that it was vastly reorganizing itself and very confused. Is what I was talking about with the eyeball thing, where like your brain will help you survive, but sometimes that is not ideal or takes a minute or whatever it is. Yes. Exactly. So there was, you know, a fundamental feeling of disorientation Mm -hmm. and the loss of, wow, I love listening to things. You know, because also I can't hear in this ear, but strangely, it rings and has a static noise constantly very loud. Oh, my God. So it's like really. So it's like a sound machine. Yeah. Um, But you're not in therapy. So you don't even need that one. to. I. I, It's it's kind of like it feels like a classic recipe to drive a man insane. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Like. It, it's kind of because it's that paradox of like it hears, but it doesn't hear like it hears mm-hmm. a made up sound. It hears the phantom limb, you know, like right. I have a phantom ear kind of thing. So I I was afraid. I will say, thank God, in a strange way, thank God I had like severe OCD as a young child and got tr- treatment for that as a kid because it taught me very early on. If, if there is a fear or there's a discomfort, go to it. Otherwise, it will, it will overtake you like an amoeba right. encircling its food. Oh, I kind of know what you're talking about only because there's like a really good episode of The Daily about this. I certainly have my own things, but I, I've never struggled with OCD. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. This, is, this would be an amazing thing to listen to. Wait, is it? No, it's not The Daily. It's... It's not the daily. It is this American life. Is it? No, it's the daily. It is the daily. <laughs> it, it It's called Fear Facers. You should check it out. It's about a kid who goes to Fear Facer camp because this person has OCD. Okay. Well, this sounds very connected sounds like to what my- you're talking about. Yeah. It's pretty so awesome. I will listen to this episode. Um, but yeah, so I, I learned that skill uh, when I was like nine- years old like hey this is the this is my brain's like alarm system it's a warning bell it's a warning shot so if i feel it i gotta do it so i think i i was having these fears about can i make music what's going to happen can i record how do i sing because i don't have like the same monitoring of my voice and so essentially like two a week and a half after i finished the hbot therapy, which unfortunately did not uh, change anything, I got into the studio and actually wrote what is song number one on the record. Oh, it's a beautiful song. Thank you. So I I just kind of went right back in and that that quickly dispelled, not only did it kind of like dismantle the fear, it also gave me some some really interesting perspective because I was so disoriented, confused, and generally addled that I kind of didn't have the capacity to like give a fuck. What about, okay, so 
First of all, I just want to say that a lot of stuff that you're talking about, about your way of being in the world is like very inspiring and cool. Sounds very serenity prayer. Um, super rad into it. Love to hear that. I think I'm curious about, um, so when you're talking about going in studio and writing, like that's a, it's a controlled environment, but I know you also tour and I'm curious about when you first were able to be back on stage because, um, you know, just even just as a comic sonically, that's like a completely, I don't sound check. I refuse to sound check, which is, I refuse to sound check. Why do you it, not sound check? Because the odds of something being fucked up as a comic are so low and the effort to sound check, like it's, you know, you have to be there two or two and a half hours early. Oh, I know. And <laughs> as a band, that makes a lot of sense. You're like working on levels between instruments. Maybe there's other people involved with, as a comic, it is one hookup of one chord. And I prioritize my mental health by not being at the theater for th a million hours by myself because I'm also not with a band. You know, I just totally. try to make sure that I like have preserved energy. So anyway, I do not sound check. Um, and so sure, sometimes the monitors are too loud and I can hear myself in a like echoey way over the audience and it really fucks up my timing. Um, if that's happening, I will actually ask for it to be adjusted while I'm on stage. It's fine. But, you know, rarely does that happen. It's just that yeah, like, for a musician, that's so much more complicated because there's like a lot more going on. Um, so I'm just curious about that moment where you made that shift from in studio to back on tour. Yeah. So I played my first show. Let's see. I'm going to count on my fingers. So September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Okay. I played my first show seven months after I lost my hearing and I prepared for it quite intensely. So I was in physical therapy for my balance and equilibrium for many, wow. many months wow. after okay. this. Yeah, That's why I was asking about your eye because I... You know, one of the things mm. that my doctors told me was, you know, you have to retrain because I, I, I basically said to my doctors like, hey, this is my livelihood. This is also my what I love to do. So I need to do everything that I can to get oh, back into shape. Now I see what you were asking. Oh, because some people do physical therapy like for the muscles around their eye. You're asking right. about orientation to the world also. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're different. I never could see better than that because even though it crossed very suddenly, if you look at pictures, you know, when you're two, you're just kind of like still learning how to walk and run. So I've always had this compensation in, I, I do like fall down a lot and like cut corners weird because my depth perception is shitty. And that was true when I was a kid too. Um, but I don't know that, physical therapy would, I don't know that it would help with that because it's like, it's just always been how I've been in the world. This is very different than if you're an adult adjusting to a major and sudden change. Totally. Totally. Um, right. Cause I was, there was a, a normal for me. That yeah. Your had brain been, is already wired. Right. Um, so, so, you know, I had been doing physical therapy 
which was, you know, miraculous in that when you when you push the body in certain ways, it responds, which is which is, I think, for me, a phenomenon that will never lose its like delight and novelty, even though it's a pain in the ass. Like, it's amazing to me that you can apply pressure and the body and brain like change. So I was doing that. And then speaking about the monitoring situation. So as a musician, most musicians nowadays uh, use something called in-ear monitors, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, molded to your ear and they provide all the kind of monitoring of sound through that. So I have a dummy. I got a blank in my right ear now. (laughs) And my left ear gets both. So my left ear gets a stereo signal. Oh, that's so interesting. And I did like a lot of preparation to be able to tour. One of the things we did, it was kind of like boot camp. We not only gave me the sound in rehearsals, gave me like my band and me and everything, but my my crew would intermittently put um, crazy crowd noise, ambient noise from the environment. My my music director at one point faked an emergency like they were crazy with it because I told I told everybody like you need I need to be prepared. Like throw throw everything at me. So I kind of put myself in, in quite a bit of sensory chaos so that by the time I got to the IRL chaos, I was like, it was it was kind of all good. In fact, my first show back, my manager, who's been with me my whole career and is like my best friend, he was like, dude, that was your best show ever. Oh, wow. I think because I had prepared so much. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, may I recommend never sound checking just as a different style? <laughs> I know some bands who do that. Yeah, it's whatever. I mean, look, it's just what's going on for me. Um, oh, I had a question. What was it going to be? Shoot. I also, okay, while you're thinking of this question, I mm-hmm. would like to just say that I do upon actually considering the circumstances of your sonic environment i fully support you not sound checking i think you should definitely just have somebody do it for you and say that you want the monitors low 100 like i sorry in thinking about that it's crazy you shouldn't be i mean being you know you know the old maybe it's an adage for comedians as well i don't know that like people say like how does a how does a musician get hooked on drugs between sound check and show? Dude, I have never heard that before. And yes, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. But like also a lot of musicians have a fucking band. It's not that I've I never know. sound checked. I have been there for a zillion fucking hours by myself. Yes. But it's like, not good. But- or I've like done a bus tour where you're like showering at the thing because you yes. don't have like Correct. Day rooms or whatever. And like that, it's all enough to make you lose your mind. So yeah. That Yeah, is- it really is when you start it's like, well, that that bottle of uh Tito's really looks tasty. You know, like yeah, or that's that truly phone like that I can scroll on until my brain melts like through my, you know, 
butthole, which then I reoxygenate. <laughs> um, <laughs> can can I ask you? Um, wait, first of all, I'm like you're not an audiologist, so maybe you don't know this, but do you know if it is now? Obviously, total hearing loss has its own zillion complicated things, but do you know if it is actually harder on the brain to lose one? To lose one ear than both. Do you know the answer to that? Why would you know? But do you I know? Don't. Did anybody ever I say might, that to you? No one has ever asked that to, to me. Um, I do not know the answer to that, actually. My guess would be it's harder to have sudden bilateral loss because it's just more change. Um, what is yours called? The, Omnilateral? Unilateral. Unilateral. Look, at, omnilateral will be everything. All that would us. be. There would be all everything. <laughs> all sound is omnilateral. All sound is gone. All sound, not in not in your ears, but for, but in the vacuum of space. I also think. May I interject and say that I think omnilateral in and of itself is an oxymoron because lateral implies. That's two. a great point. Listen, Stanford, yeah. get the fuck out of here with your. <laughs> Using roots <laughs> to make sense. <laughs> what the hell? Do you ever... Now, here's an important question. Do you ever wish that it was your right ear that had continued to have the hearing because that is the gay ear? <laughs> Do you know I have not thought about the notion of the earring and the right ear signifying gayness. I want to say in a decade. That just brought me back to such a place of joy. Um I <laughs> or 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 other flip side of the question, do you consider the hearing loss in the right ear to be gay? I think that I I've, okay probably that one. <laughs> now that I'm now that it's being posed, I think the fact that I do not hear out of my right ear is very gay, and I'm you know what? I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. I will say also, I always would hold the phone up to my left side. Ah, uh-huh. so I'm actually kind of glad from a having nothing to do with being gay. Although one could argue. Everything has to do with being gay. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of one thing. It doesn't I can't think of one thing. Um. Omni gay. <laughs> Omni gay. Omnilateral gay. Omnilateral gay. <laughs> Is that title of ep? Okay. Guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it yes, right ear doesn't right ear don't hear um queer. Queer. <laughs> colon. colon. Right ear don't hear colon. Queer. Huh? Think about it. I love it. It's kind of like Esposito. Yeah. It has yeah, it yeah. has an internal yeah. rhythm. Yeah. Right ear don't hear queer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's 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 reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to make sure to bring that up. I'm, I don't, this is the one thing I didn't look up. You are touring to support this record, yes? Yes. Are, 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 all, are all those dates announced? Is that like on sale? They are not all announced. 
Okay. Um, I don't know when. T- when does this conversation become present on the Maybe internet? Next week, I think. Okay. Well, the record's out next week. Yeah. At some point in the next little bit, we will un- be announcing okay. a bunch of tour dates. I'm going to Europe in. Well, I guess I leave in next week. Um, so we're doing a few weeks of shows to support the record out there, and then more will more will come. And one is going to be in Los Angeles. Definitely. Yeah. All right. See you there. Yeah, absolutely. Come, come hang. Honestly, the show, particularly since I have had to prepare so extensively, is is very is honestly is pretty good you know i've seen some shitty shows in my life and i've played some shitty shows <laughs> this is not a shitty show it's good oh that's great news um, <laughs> but you know what i mean some of things kind of suck wait hang on planes are planes hard With oh no stuff? no can i tell you the hardest place for me in the world is a house party or a coffee shop with tall ceilings places where there's just like echoey ambient noise coming from all directions i become i really feel disabled i i will say that i'm like i don't know what's happening i i really can't hear anything um so those are that's kind of my kryptonite like i was at a house party last two weeks ago and i at a certain point i I just i completely went into anthropologist observer mode because i i just couldn't hear anything so i was just watching people i was just like well i guess i'll just scope it out because i'm i'm now in another dimension oh god yeah i mean look even just you describing a house party and i do not struggle with this issue but that's our i Yeah, I, I already hate that thing. Dip social. You hate social? Stuff. No, that's the social <laughs> stuff that's there. I don't really like Specifically it. at a house party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think a house there's party no is? There's no rules. I like when there's rules. Can you give me an example of a social situation where there are rules? Yeah, dinner party. Sit here. Talk to this person next to you. Here's a rule, you know? Stand-up comedy. These people be quiet. This person talks. Podcast. Chatting back and forth. (laughs) Okay. Me and a barista. May I take your order? Yes. Will you leave a tip? I sure will. House party is a free-for-all. Can I ask this? Because this is a real question. Yeah. What do you think it is about the lack of defined like what's the fear or discomfort that you'll say something stupid that like what is is the no this is a whole uh i don't know bipolar disorder i think it's like too anxiety producing great thing to get into at the very end but yeah wow we're all struggling baby well that's so anyway see you not at a house party is what i'm saying you and i we can meet up elsewhere. No, we Not a coffee shop parties. either. Right in my front yard. Come on over. It's, well, it's outside. The ceiling is very high because it's the <laughs> sky. 
<laughs> so can come indoors. The ceiling, ceiling. is arguably infinite. Yeah, can yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I think one thing we should end on is I was, I was speaking with my friend the other day and we were we were just talking about how like every story that we that we were telling each other the the thesis is people are not okay <laughs> like we were just telling stories and like my my friend Zoe was just like once again people are not okay <laughs> you know here i mean look i don't mean to shit on you and zoe but the other side of that is also people are okay because people are so not okay that it's an Ouroboros, you know, where you're like, I don't know, maybe we're all fine. Well, right. So perhaps, mm-hmm. okay, let's let's unite on yes. the eradication of okay. There is oh, no okay. Oh, that's great. I love uniting there. Yeah. Because if if no one is okay, if the if the yes. common thing is like yes. well you just told it you just told me you can't go to a party because of bipolar right okay so <laughs> eh. Eh. and i just told you i randomly went deaf in my ear right 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 right, <laughs> right. like if then it's kind of the the thesis is people are not okay then there is no okay yeah. and the state of being a human is like the constant tension of everything yeah. And, you know, opportunity for growth. Well, right. There is no, it's an infinite ceiling. <gasps> <gasps> well, in conclusion, before I send you back into your day, um, could you shout out for me a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today? Oh, Wow. Um, that's a great question. Mm, we always, yeah. Yeah, but I, I want to, okay. I think the entire city of San Francisco, which, and can I also make the caveat that I know San Francisco has changed a lot. Mm. I'm I'm going to say the city of San Francisco in the year 2010, mm. which is incidentally the first sentence of my debut novel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I, what a, what a, what a place, what a gathering of freaks. Hmm. Huh. Well, I hope that's also what I have to look forward to attending your show a gathering of freaks it is what i'm looking for in life so well honestly and i mean this and i feel like everyone who goes comes to my show would would uh raise their hands in ecstasy it is a gathering of freaks great can't wait to put my body amongst um it's been a true the freakdom immerse yourself in the freakdom yeah um they thank you so much for this chat this was very delightful Yeah, it was really nice talking to you. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artists-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.